0: chapter fifteen of the golden bough by george gibbs this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by tony oliva the turkish cigarette he was a prosperous-looking man a small house-owner perhaps or tradesman but he had a broad brow and a look of alertness which were an earnest of his intelligence rowland walked by his side conversing easily of uh, casual things until they reached a street upon the edge of the town built up with rows of smaller houses all much alike each in its well-kept yard into one of these houses bentz led the way and in a moment they were safe from curious eyes Roland was quite certain that he had not been observed either upon the train or in the town and it was therefore with a feeling of confidence as to his own present security that he informed herr benz of the nature of his errand and the necessity for immediate aid from those friends who had the interests of the order of nemi at heart herr benz made no pretense of concealing his antipathy for the prussian government and proclaimed his full allegiance to the socialist cause the deference which he paid Roland and exacted of his son a boy of sixteen the supper served by the Frau, and the willingness herr Benz expressed to aid in any possible way showed Roland how deep and strong was the undercurrent of antagonism and unrest in the hearts of the placid easy-going bavarians Benz knew starnberg he said as he knew the palm of his hand he had been born and bred here and for twenty years had conducted the small bakery which was now his own he knew every villa as far as possenhofen where elizabeth empress of austria and herr Roland must be aware the daughter of duke max was born every villa he must think all these people were good customers of his and had been for years his son every morning early delivered the bread, a distance of two miles or more to the furthest house. Did Herr Roland believe the villa he sought could be as far away as that? Roland shrugged helplessly. I know nothing more than I have told you, he said. A villa upon starnbergsee near Starnberg. That is all I know. Bentz nodded, but his brow was puzzled. Near? How near? a mile fortunately all the villas that need be considered are on the east bank of the lake that reduces our labors i will try to remember them one by one that task seemed to be hopeless even with the aid of the boy who was called in to testify the day was now fading and so rowland suggested that they go out and walk the length of the road and attempt by a process of elimination to isolate those houses which might for any cause be classified as possibly open to suspicion the suggestion was acceptable to herr Benz, and so he left word with his son that if any message came from herr Zenf, over the telegraph arrangements for which had already been made benz the younger was to bring the message along the road on his bicycle and keep passing to and fro until he found them they then set forth smoking their cigars very vile ones which herr benz had provided and presently were walking down the well-ordered driveway along the shimmering lake one by one herr Benz named the owners of the cottages puzzling here and there over a doubtful case rowland with an appearance of great unconcern eagerly searching the grounds with his glance the lighted windows for a glimpse of a feminine figure which might be tanya's the night was warm and upon the terraces overlooking the water many of the occupants of the houses were sitting enjoying the night air he heard the low murmur of their voices a light laugh here and there the sound of a piano and young people singing but nothing that could give any immediate clue as to the location of the villa he sought and yet tanya korasov was here somewhere near him waiting for the aid that had not come at the end of the driveway which now became a mere country road herr bentz paused for the distance between the houses had grown greater and except for a few small cottages in the dusk beyond the region of larger places had come to an end the total results of herr bentz's process of elimination to this point were five houses as follows two small villas the names of whose occupants were unknown a large, unoccupied house belonging to an Italian Comte Monteori, who, because of the war, had been absent for three years. the magnificent place of Baron von Speck, occupied only by the servants, its owner being on the staff of Prince Leopold in France, the chateau of Frau Baltazzi, an aged Grecian woman of wealth who lived alone with a female companion. It was with some difficulty that the impatient Roland constrained himself to sit with Herr Benz upon a rock overlooking the placid lake and calmly discuss the matter. "'You are sure,' he asked, "'that you are quite familiar with the antecedents of the occupants of all the other houses?' "'Quite, Herr Roland. In the case of additional persons coming into these houses, the orders for bread would undoubtedly be increased.' my son is a clever boy he would hear of any newcomers through the kitchen doors with these larger houses the case is different frau Baltazzi is a woman of mystery she has no friends in starnberg but she is very old and invalid it is possible that herr hochwald may have the authority to compel her but i doubt it herr Roland indeed after a process of question and reply which seemed to be sufficiently conclusive only the residences of count monteori and baron von speck remained as probabilities having reached this conclusion it was decided for the present to concentrate all attention upon these two places and so turning north they walked slowly back toward the town while bentz told what he further knew of the two residences under suspicion the place of baron von speck was just before them on their right a pretentious stone mansion in the midst of a grove of trees beyond a spacious lawn at some distance from the road rowland who felt sure because of the baron's rank and affiliations that the use of this house by a representative of the prussian secret service would be justified was for entering the grounds at once and making a thorough investigation of the premises time was precious and it was worth taking a chance but herr benz hesitated here again Roland discovered that awe of the military authority which he had noticed in max Liederman, a habit of thought bred in the bone since childhood which for a moment of inaction seemed to have created a sudden atrophy in this man's interest and enthusiasm but the moment passed for herr benz did not lack courage wait here he said at last i will go and inquire so roland concealed himself in a clump of shrubbery within the grounds while he watched the figure of benz go around the turn in the road toward the house until he was lost in the shadows he had promised not to move but every impulse urged him to follow and pursue the investigation in his own way for he felt sure that the end of the chase was near but he realized that herr benz had reasons for his method of approach and decided at least for the present to await in patience the result of his investigation after a while he heard the footsteps of the man crunching the gravel of the driveway and in a moment had joined him Bence was shaking his head i went to the kitchen and saw the housekeeper telling her of the new order as to the slight increase this summer of the ration of war bread she had not known of it and was thankful for the information but informed me that her own orders from the baron were strict and that her household had been reduced to three persons so that what she was allowed would be sufficient further conversation followed and she took me to see the view of the lake from the terrace there is no one there herr roland but the three servants i would take my oath to it roland's hopes fell and yet he realized that after all the decision of herr benz had been a wise one did you make any inquiries in regard to the villa of count monteori he asked yes and they know nothing and so the two men went northward again more rapidly the monteori villa like that of baron von speck lay within spacious grounds well wooded the house itself built of stone and stucco like many of those famous residences on the lakes of italy just upon the edge of the lake the waters of which lapped the base of the stone wall which protected its terrace and garden as Benz had said it had long been unoccupied except for two servants and if the prussian government had seen fit to use it for purposes of its own the fact could he thought be quite easily discovered but the method of approach which had been so successful in the case of the house of baron von speck might be hazardous here since herr benz was not upon terms with the caretaker Taglitz, a north german an old man of a violent temper who suffered much from asthma last year benz had quarreled with him about the payment of a bill and so it was decided that he and rowland should separate before they reached the place moving with caution under the protection of whatever cover availed in a quiet investigation of the lighted windows and garden rowland chose the side toward the lake and leaving the road where the shadows of the trees afforded protection moved down through the underbrush cautiously peering forward waiting and listening and then making a long detour to avoid a stretch of lawn until he reached a small ravine down which a stream trickled to the lake below progress was slow because of the necessity for caution but at last he emerged near the edge of the lake and hidden behind a huge rock gazed upward toward the windows of the house less than two hundred feet away he saw that a wall of stone separated the terrace from the lawns there was a gate in the wall probably locked so that it seemed as though the best mode of approach would be from the lake itself to the stairs which led up to the terrace there was a light in one window of the house upon the second floor under the tiled roof another a dim one in the room which led out upon the terrace and he thought that he could distinguish the low murmur of voices above the lapping of the waters of the lake beside him but he was not sure there was no way of getting nearer the house from this side without a danger of being observed for the moon had risen and there was no cover on the lawn before him and so he lay quiet for a while keeping watch on the windows. While he looked, he fancied he heard voices again from the window upstairs, and then shortly afterward, a new light appeared in the wing of the house, a candle or lamp, which threw a large shadow upon the wall. For twenty minutes he watched it, and then he heard the sound of a door closing, and at the same moment the light went out. Whoever had gone to that room had left it, taking the light with him. He fancied now that he heard the sound of a masculine voice, and then a figure appeared upon the terrace, threw a cigarette over the wall into the lake, and then went indoors. But a cloud had come over the face of the moon, and it was not possible to distinguish the identity or appearance of the smoker. But presently upon the light breeze was wafted the odor of a Turkish cigarette, after a while the light on the lower floor went out and so rowland slowly retraced his steps up the ravine to the road determined to choose another point of observation he lighted his pipe and passing the gates to the park went on to the farthest boundary the appointed spot at which he and herr Benz had decided to meet and compare notes herr Benz had heard nothing seen nothing suspicious but when roland informed him as to the man with the turkish cigarette benz listened attentively you are quite sure that it was a turkish cigarette he asked quite positive that is curious why because in munich one smokes a pipe or a cigar the cigarettes one may buy are too expensive for such a man as taglitz this caretaker to smoke this seemed a slender straw to clutch at but as rowland thought of it the smell of the turkish cigarette seemed to grow in significance taglitz an old man who suffered from asthma would hardly choose a turkish cigarette even if he dared to smoke at all and the only other occupant of the house was his daughter who cooked his meals and looked after him either frulein taglitz had formed a very bad habit or herr taglitz had visitors and so they walked a short way down the road toward the town while they planned herr bentz wanted to go to town and bring two of his followers one of whom could watch the driveway the other to hide near the house while roland found a means of entrance by the terrace from a boat on the lake to this roland agreed insisting however that he should remain watching the house in the meanwhile they had just bidden each other farewell and rowland had turned back toward the suspected villa when he heard the sound of voices behind him and stopped to listen returning quickly to the group herr Benz introduced him quickly to a man young Benz had brought with him this is the government telegraph officer at starnberg station but a friend herr rowland he brings you a message from georg senf a message i know nothing of this matter said the man in uniform the message was in cipher. it is this herr berghof was murdered this afternoon no clues no trace of bag berghof murdered rowland questioned the man eagerly at what time did this message arrive less than half an hour ago it came by private code yes from herr weiss i see i owe you many thanks i would do more if i could but i must return at once go then you will be on duty later until morning herr rowland good i may have a message to send the man bowed and departed with the younger bence while rowland watched them in silence until their figures were merged into the night berghof murdered by whom and why the answers to these questions were obvious if he chose to follow the train of thought that was uppermost in his mind. Had Hochwald killed him? Or Förster? Or another agent of von Stromberg? The motive, one of two things. To secure the black bag filled with the bank notes which Berghoff had taken. Or to silence a tongue which had already spoken too much. Or perhaps both. Whatever the facts, the death of the man with the squint was eloquent of the fact that rowland had not been far wrong in his deductions herr Berghoff had paid the penalty either of cupidity or disloyalty to those who employed him in any event it was clear that if the black bag had ever been in his possession it had now passed to a confederate or to gregory hochwald and therefore if a warning sound from Herr Benz brought his speculations to a close, for from within the grounds they had just left came the sound of an approaching motor-car. It must have been hidden in the porte-cochere, Benz was muttering. I did not see it. As the machine approached, they walked toward it, and it passed them at a rapid rate, going in the direction of the village. Just one glimpse, they had, of the occupants, a chauffeur and a man wearing a cap, sitting in the shadow of the curtains in the tonneau and smoking a cigarette who was he it was impossible to tell but to roland's keen eyes the figure seemed strangely like that of herr hochwald imagination perhaps roland's interest in the villa monteori was now such that he was ready to think anything that would confirm his growing belief that here was the prison of tanya korasov herr benz too shared his excitement herr hochwald hurrying to the committee meeting he had called the thing hung together there were few enough motor cars in the empire and all those not in use by officials of munich had been put into requisition for military purposes there was but one machine at starnberg an ancient affair which could only be hired at a price beyond the means of any but the most wealthy of the town he had seen a machine this afternoon rapidly passing his bakery which was on the highway to munich was it this very machine it had a top like this a chauffeur and one man set within he had commented upon its passage to his boy the young fellow who shared the mystery of their search now voluntarily cleared their minds of doubt for with that omniscience in all things which pertain to makes of cars he ventured in a guarded tone it is the very machine which came from munich this afternoon how do you know asked Roland eagerly it's a mercedes sir he said i know it by the shape of the hood if a machine went back and forth between the villa monteori and the city of munich it was doubtless because of urgent affairs in which some official empowered to use automobiles was involved who but hochwald and what affairs unless those of tanya and the black bag of the Hof? roland had reached the point where he felt that he must leap at a conclusion of some sort at any rate there were two men the less at the villa monteori and it was time to risk everything in an effort to bring this adventure to a conclusion, whether in failure or success. Roland planned rapidly. A short distance below them, there was a crossroad which led down to the lake, at the foot of which, in the dusk of the evening, he had noticed a small pier, or jetty, near which a number of canoes, sailboats, and rowboats were moored. He proposed to take one of these boats and under cover of the darkness rode down in the shadow of the bank to the stone steps of the villa which led from the terrace wall to the water as the sky had now become cloudy and the night quite dark it would thus be possible to come unnoticed much nearer to the house than if he attempted to enter by the road or to cross the lawns where the stone wall must be climbed herr benz would wait in the pavilion which seemed to be deserted if rowland did not return before ten o'clock he was to take another rowboat with the other two men whom young Benz had gone to fetch from starnberg and follow bentz demurred at first professing a desire to share his dangers but at last consented to the arrangement and rowland embarked and set off upon his solitary venture as it was early, there were many young people out on the lake in canoes and sailboats, returning to shore, and the sounds of their voices came softly across the water. Their presence in the neighborhood was reassuring, and likely to distract the attention of any visitors at the Villa Monteori. Roland slipped slowly down under the very shadow of the terrace wall, where his boat drifted in close to the steps where Roland listened for a long moment and then fastened the painter to a ring in the wall and disembarked. He had determined to enter this house and search it from top to bottom, regardless of consequences. A fool's errand? Perhaps, for he had little evidence to confirm his theory, which after all had been born more of hope and desperation than any proof and yet the chance was worth taking for at the best it meant merely a discussion with an irascible and asthmatic watchman at the worst perhaps an encounter with a government official who had a private commission with which he could have no concern and this meant a rapid retreat and the saving of his skin but the death of berghof and the passage of the mysterious automobile from what was reported to be an untenanted house had seemed to point him a way which he couldn't ignore if tanya were here the element of surprise would be in his favor and as his head reached the level of the top of the steps where he paused for a long moment of inspection of the house he saw no indication of watchfulness on the part of those within there were a rustic table and a number of benches and chairs upon the terrace and crawling upon his hands and knees he hid himself behind a bench where he could examine the lower floor of the house at closer quarters there was a loggia enclosed in glass just before him within in the main body of the house a light was burning at some risk of detection from the windows above he moved closer and quickly rising turned the knob of the glass door to his surprise it yielded and without hesitation he entered closing it softly behind him careless beggars to forget there was a lake he muttered roland's spirits were fast rising and his fingers were itching for a grip on something tangible preferably the adam's apple of kodkina Hochwald denied that anyone else's would do but a disappointment awaited him here for the door to the main body of the house was locked he drew aside into the shelter of the wall and rubbed his chin thoughtfully not so dull after all he said to himself but i'll make it if it takes the butt of an automatic fortunately he was not obliged to resort to that extremity for a french window with a loose catch rewarded his patience it's flat burglary nothing less he said with a grin as he crossed the sill and entered the room it was quite dark here the only illumination coming from a lamp in an inner room and he paused a moment to get his bearings and listened a sound of voices somewhere upstairs his breath came a little more quickly the deep bass of a man and he was sure the tones of a feminine reply taglitz and his daughter he would soon find out it took him a few moments of noiseless investigation to study the plan of the lower floor the location of the steps which led upstairs and the hall which led to the rear of the house then he peered into the lighted room beyond it was empty and upon the table lay what remained of a meal the dishes of which had not yet been cleared away at the further end of the room was a swinging door which led to the kitchen and roland crossed to it in accordance with a quickly formulated plan to make safe the lower floor before he went upstairs but just as he was about to go forward there were sounds of heavy footsteps in the kitchen passage just beyond and he had barely time to flatten himself against the wall when the door was pushed open and a man entered and walked to the table he was an old man with bent shoulders possibly a little deaf and his breath wheezed like that of a horse with the heaves it seemed a shame to do it but there was no time for moral compunctions and stepping quickly behind him Roland thrust an arm around the fellow's neck and with a knee in the small of his back garroted him noiselessly and effectually then he laid the man upon the floor and with a warning hand on his throat which he threatened to tighten at the least indication of an outcry questioned in tense whispers herr hochwald left this house half an hour ago there was no reply but a terrible gasp as taglitz fought for his breath answer me growled roland with an air of ferocity he was far from feeling answer me or i'll choke taglitz raised a feeble hand and tried to move his head gasping horribly meanwhile so roland waited an anxious moment fearing that the fellow would die then questioned again where has herr hochwald gone taglitz shook his head i-i don't know he gasped roland could have shouted for joy hochwald. Where is your daughter? Gone out since supper, to visit in Starnberg. Who are upstairs? The eyes of Taglet stared, and beneath him Roland could feel the man's limbs trembling in terror, but he wouldn't reply, so Roland's fingers closed gently upon his throat. Answer me, he whispered, or I'll choke you. Already Taglitz's eyes were starting from his head, and Roland released the pressure. Answer, he said sternly. Taglitz gasped for a few moments of fearful unhappiness, then, as Roland's fingers tightened, held up a feeble hand. Who are upstairs? repeated Roland. Herr, Herr Förster. Who else? Fraulein Korasov at what time did herr hochwald reach here Before supper how long before supper taglitz paused and roland's hand moved toward him an hour he answered roland's brain was now acting quickly what did he do with the black bag he brought i-i don't know roland's eyes sparkled did he carry it upstairs the terror in the man's eyes was pitiful and the trembling began anew but Roland was merciless. Answer me. Again the hand threatened. Don't strangle me. I will tell. And as Roland released him, he took it to his room. Where is his room? The room from which Roland had been watching when he lay below the rock an hour ago, the shadow had been Hochwald's. Roland grinned at the frightened face beneath him while he reached for a napkin upon the table you're a brick herr taglitz he muttered in english that's what you are-a brick but bricks are silent and harmless unless in riotous hands what are-are you croaked the prisoner the words were stifled by the napkin which roland thrust into his mouth it was a large napkin and the ends tied firmly at the neck and chin made a neat gag the two other napkins one around his knees the other at his elbows behind him completed Roland's purpose which was to render one hundred and sixty pounds of potential prussianism as helpless as ramsay's the second he rolled taglets under the table assuring himself that the man was in no danger of death then searched the lower floor for signs of other occupants but the man had spoken the truth for there was no one else upon the lower floor End of chapter 15